New Year, same podcast. What did you think you were going to get growth and development or resolutions on this podcast, on the pod people? Nah. That's some silly shit. That's some silly shit. And you know what? I'm smiling. I'm smiling about that silly shit. Matisse Van Rossum, I'm here to give you New Year's curses. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm uh, smiling about having 2022 behind us. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm Caterpillar-pilled. Caterpillared, if you will? That's right. Speaking of cats, y'all see my cat mustache? Oh, shit. Uh Uh-oh. Well, uh, I, I haven't, but I, I did get this nice train set. Whoa, train set! Thanks, man! <laughs> Why don't you open that awesome. up? I'm gonna open it right up, right now, oh god. Well, it's 2023, it's a new year, but before we can look into the future, we have to take one last look back over our shoulder into the past, into 2022, which was in many ways the year of the smile. And uh, in our in our final 2022 wrap-up, um, that I have curated for us since I won last year's predictions. We're talking about two films, uh, and the first one we're going to start by talking about is, of course, Smile, which was written and directed by uh, Parker Finn and uh, stars Kevin Bacon's daughter, Sozie Bacon, not Susie, Sozie. Oh, this was uh, Parker Finn's directorial debut, and an unexpected hit. I think yes. this made like something like two hundred million dollars at the box office. Commercially very successful. Well, I remember when we saw the previews for this in theaters very early in the year, and we were all kind of like, "What the fuck is this? This looks like a joke." But it's yeah. going to make a lot of money. No, I think. Well, I thought it, I, I, I certainly thought it was going to. I a lot didn't of think money. it was going to make that much. Money I, I didn't think first. it was. I didn't think it was going to make a lot of money. But I did kind of think that you know what that movie's going to turn out to not be as bad as it looks. I, I was glad to be right about that. I'm so happy that this movie was really successful because this is filling a gap in recent cinema. That is sorely missed, and that's, like, the mid-budget, high-concept horror. Yes. And, like, I feel like we don't get many of those All anymore. The, yeah. They're either indies or they're big-budget Conjuring 27 franchises. Certainly those are the only types of horror films that make it into theaters anymore. Yeah. So I really hope that Smile's success will encourage Hollywood to uh, go back to the formula of mid-budget horror. In in a way, it already has. Uh, Paramount, who put out this movie, uh, was so happy with the results of this that they hired someone specifically for putting out more mid-budget horror Hell yeah. with high concepts. So. Well, you know, I, I would I would also argue that, like, Malignant kind of filled the same niche mm-hmm. uh, the year before. I mean, James Wan obviously has a lot more clout to his name, so that's going to be a little yeah. bit of a safer bet. Somebody like Parker Fenn just does not. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of hopeful for, uh, for Megan coming up, Mithrigan. Uh, I think that that could also land somewhere in the same area, uh, as long as it doesn't fucking stink, which, you know, we'll find that out next week one way or another. But, um, yeah, man, Smile was a pleasant surprise. It is not doing anything revolutionary by any means. Uh, in fact, 
I would argue that it it just is kind of it follows, but dumber. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what? That's okay. And the result is a movie that is pretty good, not great. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is fun. And it does a few. It does a few things really well. I think it has some problems and it's flawed. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because it is uh, a weird mid-budget horror movie that came out and made a shitload of money and wasn't dismal. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So the first thing we should talk about is what this film is in the vein of. We had a, we had a good chat about it while watching it at the mm-hmm. same time earlier, but Ben, you weren't there for that. So let's let's dig into that a little bit. I think to summarize this movie, it is a early to mid aughts kind of monster film where there's a sort of a high concept thing to it, but it is given a light veneer of. A twenty four e elevated horror vibe. You can tell that it kind of wants to be elevated horror, but the script doesn't quite lend itself to that. Mm-hmm. It's trying, but where where it tries, it succeeds, and in the place and in the places where it would have failed, it doesn't try that. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that specifically, what I mean by veneer of elevated horror, is the soundtrack uh, is a good place to start. The score the, is great. The score fucking the score rips. And it's, it's very it's like, way above uh, the the quality of the rest of this film. Yeah, I think. But, but I will say though that like for as a twenty four e as this score is, it it doesn't have that problem that Firestarter did, where the score is like fucking awesome, but what's on screen doesn't really compete. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the score does like actually elevate everything that's going on on. It screen doesn't feel it does dissonant, well. right? And um, which is funny because it. it Musically, it is very like industrial and dissonant yeah. and obscure and strange. Well, yeah, like, it does. It does in the vein of it follows. It does feel like it's still trying to do that, both in premise, but also in some of its presentation. The music is is notable because it follows has that incredible disaster piece score mm-hmm. um, that and, I still go back and listen to all the time. Yeah, and while like the cinematography is relatively standard we were talking about that a lot of the dialogue shots are fairly flat and stuff there's some cute editing things where things go upside down you know to indicate like smiles and stuff it tries some things every now Mm -hmm. and then but for the most part i think the cinematography feels like they're playing it very safe Mm -hmm. a lot of it's very flat most of it's not particularly dynamically lit dialogue is a lot of shot reverse shot two shots that kind of stuff plays it very safe i think that works in its benefit i agree i do do too i agree and that's a good place where like again it feels more like a mid a movie like this it would feel wanky if the story was just kind of it would feel pretentious if the story was just kind of mid like it is and then it was trying to do like all of this really crazy camera work and production design and stuff it would it would feel wanky i think i agree now the one place where i do think it's elevated again is color correction i love the color of this movie Mm -hmm. the palettes are fairly rich but muted uh, particularly in the uh, the hospital ward sets, uh, those those like kind of light pinks and soft blues. There's there's a lot to look at and enjoy, and it's um, uh, it's all very controlled, and it it shows a lot of skill and mastery mm-hmm. uh, in in color correction. So I was I was quite pleased. And again, if this was an early aughts, early to mid aughts movie, the whole thing just would have been blue or 
teal, and that would have yeah. been it. <laughs> and so it, that was nice to get. Like I, even during like scenes where we knew what was happening, what was coming, there were, there was always something for me to enjoy. Whether it was like the color palette or the score, or um, or even laughing at some of like the hokey performances. Yeah, like there's always something to like. The cinematography on. is very safe, but the production designer put a little bit of stank on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what elevates it beyond, like, its pretty basic story Mm -hmm. is both its execution. Like, a lot of the beat-to-beat things are really well executed. I think of the jump scares being pretty good in this movie for the most part. Like there's they don't too feel, there's too many of them, they but they're feel not as overly cheap. There's not, a lot of them. There's but, not as cheap. There there's too many jump scares, but sure, they're not they're sure. not as cheap as what you would expect from a movie. I, like I, yeah, some of some of them are pretty effective. I wasn't ever bothered by them. I think just because the score was setting them up for you know a pretty good shot. Yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't as much when we watched it the second time. Obviously, because I was expecting them when we were watching it in theaters. I, I started getting a little tired of the jump scares. There were there were a few too many. I'm like, uh I'm like, all right, I I, I get it. This movie um, also has like a dark sense of humor to it mm-hmm. that I really appreciate quite a bit. Like uh, the the birthday scene is a great example. Yep. Um, but even after that, when she like comes to confront her sister. Um, we get that amazing shot where she's like screaming in the SUV and then it cuts to the kid. No, it does a slow yeah. pan across the yard into the window where like her nephew is just like watching. It felt like it, that almost so felt like, a, like an adult swim. Yeah. Bit, kind of her just having like this screaming meltdown in her car and then just panning slowly over to just like a stone faced child. Just like it's, yeah. it's perfect because if you're like not irony poisoned. You might actually find it kind of. Creepy. You know what? You know but what? If you are, like, it's hilarious. So, like, it, everyone wins. This yeah. is maybe this is maybe kind of an obscure reference, for, but what that shot reminded me of very particularly is a, a little bit in fucking Pineapple Express <laughs> after uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco have like their big fight where they like separate for a little while, and there's a shot of James Franco sitting on a swing set like weeping while he's shoving a hamburger into his mouth and there's just like this little this little fat girl in a bathing suit just like standing behind a fence just like watching him <laughs> it's like that has that same kind of energy to it of, well she does have a sad hamburger <laughs> yeah she does yeah and the main character in this does have a sad hamburger moment yeah. uh so you know <laughs> double parallels to pineapple express Damn, that movie came out like 15 um, years ago yeah, Pineapple Express came out a long time ago. Still one of my favorite stoner comedies. Um, it's pretty good. I uh, yeah, it I watch it every year usually. Um, but uh, I I do think to to sort of go back to like the darkness of this movie. I think one of the things that really saves it is that they're like, fuck it, this is going to be R rated. Yes. Cleveland, you and I were saying that there's there is a parallel world not too far removed from this one where this movie was terrible. And it wouldn't have taken much. And from it wouldn't any have ta- it wouldn't have taken much. And I think the coup de gras would have been making it PG thirteen. Yes, because it does have like the story is kind of meh, and we'll get into that in a minute. But it does have a handful of I think pretty effective horror sequences that. I don't think you'd be. They would have been able to get away with with PG thirteen moments of brutality, right? To it. And and like that 
for especially for like a mid-budget horror movie like this, making it PG-13 so like teenagers can go see it would have been the safe bet. Yeah. And the fact that they're like, no, we're going to go R-rated with this and just kind of take the risk, and it still made like mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars speaks very well. I think I think that is really is is one of the one of the few like benefits of streaming. Mhm. That uh oh that few. I mean there's plenty of benefits of streaming, but it's definitely a strong one in that like R-rated movies don't really stop teens from watching them the same way that they used to. Right. Now anyone can just stream it also. So they can probably afford to take that risk better and I'm sure that this movie was still picked up by a shitload of teens. And watched by a shitload of teens, if not more so because it has yeah. a, ooh, it's R-rated, you know, like element to it. It, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty perfect storm for that, and I'm I'm super here for you it. You know, I think one of the other things in in that respect that I really appreciate about this movie is like the horror of it is so simple. Mm-hmm. Someone smiling, you know, creepily. Well, yeah. What know. if a, what if a smile was scary? Is, yeah. is the the brave question that but this film film the, dares ask? The thing ask. is that I I keep thinking about is like compare this to like Truth or Dare, where it's like creepy CGI smile. Yeah. You know, if they did that in this movie, it would have been like awful. exaggerated smiles. Yeah. 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 Um, well, let's let's talk about the plot broadly. Sure. What the film is about. So. Sozie Bacon plays a therapist who uh, one of her patients comes in, says that she has been seeing something that uh, that nobody else can see, that smiles at her scarily, and then uh, she has what appears to be a meltdown and uh, kills herself brutally in front of our protagonist. Cutting uh, a bloody smile into yes. her. Now I love this scene. And we'll 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 break down the scene in a minute. But so the rest of the movie is our protagonist Rose finds herself cursed to be followed by this spooky entity that takes on the forms of many different people and uh, smiles at her creepily. And she discovers that oh, this is a curse that's passed on. Uh, Somebody is followed by the spooky entity for a few days. They then kill themselves brutally in front of somebody else. The curse is passed on to the person who witnessed that, so on and so forth. It's basically it follows. It feeds on trauma. Yeah, we'll get get into that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's... That is the premise, and so she's trying to find a way to break the curse so she doesn't get killed by the scary smile monster, and that's that's it. Yeah. And I, so that's very simple story, and now we can get into specifics. You wanted to talk about the, the intro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this scene for a number of reasons. One, I, I really like the actress in this scene. She's pretty intense. Um, uh, I, I think you were even saying, like, it's a little ham-fisted. I think she's laying it on she's a little, a little thick, thick. But, but I feel like... For, for this kind opener, of movie, that's okay? Yeah, for for this kind of movie, that's, I don't, that's I don't expected. Go, I don't go um, into this kind of movie looking for great acting. Right. And, and again, if you can't be good, be loud. Uh, and I think that sure. uh, for an opener for a film, you want to give it that extra punch. Mm-hmm. You want to have her hit it kind of hard. But I really like her dialogue here, too. She feels like someone who earnestly is trying to express the dumb bullshit that's happening. She says, look, I know how this is going to sound. I'm a PhD student. I'm not insane. Like, I'm 
a very reasonable, rational person, and I'm seeing unrational. And I no, can't explain this, shit. yeah. And I cannot explain it. And I love that. And like, that's a pitfall that our protagonist falls into later, right. where she's trying to explain what's happening to other people, and she just sounds like a fucking nutcase. Right, which yeah. is weird, because she has more tools in her kit being a therapist. Yeah. To be able to talk about that stuff, but, eh, small potatoes. I like this opening sequence. I also, of course, love it for, um... Also, I just, I, I like that actress, I think, more... What was the term we were throwing around with, with Kevin Bacon's daughter? Nepo baby. Nepo, Nepo baby. baby. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's a little mean spirited. Like she's 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 working very hard in this movie. And she I does no. I think she's. I think she's. I think she's good in this. Yeah. I didn't. I just. I don't find her super compelling. Um. And uh, I don't think that's necessarily the actress's fault, fault. though. Yeah. I think it's her. Her character is kind of blandly written. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of horror movie protagonist. Yeah. And, um, and I, most I, of the characters in this movie sort of fall into those horror movie archetypes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, and, and I don't... There's not any stellar character work in this movie. No, no stars, scars guards to be seen. Stellan, it's a bad joke. Anyway, the, uh, the, the other factor, of course, is it's certainly not progressive or important, but I'm going to note it anyway, is I, I, I don't really find this... Actress very attractive because she looks like Kevin Bacon. She looks like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, she looks like Kevin Bacon, and that's fine. That is okay. And again, I, I certainly don't need that in, in a protagonist to find them relatable, or you know, I don't I don't need a romantic you know. In, you want a either. hot bitch with big tits, is what you're saying. I mean, that'd be cool. <laughs> I, I, you want you want you want your bacon <laughs> with big old. What titty about notes. what about Kevin Bacon with a fucking dump truck ass? Yeah. On <laughs> it. I mean, I I, pro- I would prefer that. But, um, uh, yeah, it, you know, I, I don't have too much more to say other than she, she just really looks like Kevin Bacon and she, she would, uh, that's fine. That's, it's crazy too. Cause like I went through watching the whole movie the first time, not realizing who she was well, I until I got to the credits, until I got to the credits and I was like, oh, of course. And then the second time watching, I can't see anything else. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, it's, she looks so much like Kevin Bacon, but also, at the same time, it's like, I've never seen her in anything else before, and I wouldn't think... Like, for some reason, I wouldn't think of Kevin Bacon as having, like, an actor-slash-actress mm-hmm. child, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it reminds but, me But once, of, uh, once you hear it, you can't see anything else. Right, and see, this reminds me of, like, Liv Tyler, mm-hmm. but she doesn't look that much like Steven Tyler. She doesn't look enough like Steven Tyler for that to be, like, No, she doesn't. Thankfully. Thankfully. Thank God she takes yeah. after <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Well, it, A little chauvinism to ring in the new year. It's interesting looking at comparing Kevin Bacon to her because, like, I feel like there's some parallels between this and, like, Stir of Echoes oh. in terms of some of the psychological horror. Oh, okay. At play? Yeah, I wasn't thinking about Stir of Echoes, but you're right. But also, like, I don't know what other stuff she's been in, but this has been a hit and maybe will sort of kickstart her career in, uh... Well, I was going to say in the same way that Tremors did for Kevin Bacon, but he was already kind of known before yeah. Tremors. Yeah, but that's, that's before yeah. fucking... Dirty Dancing? Yeah. I think Dirty Dancing is pre-Tremors, isn't yeah, it? But, but yeah, but also... Um... Roadhouse. Well, no, that's Patrick Swayze. Uh, yeah. but not, not Maniac. What's, uh, what's the one with the... Flashdance? No, uh... Footloose. 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 Yeah. Footloose. That's right. Yeah, kick off your... Oh, wait, shoes. yeah. Foot, Footloose is Kevin Bacon. Loose. I was... Footloose. Dirty Dancing is Patrick Swayze, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. where I also I went to Roadhouse. 
Patrick Swayze and Kevin Bacon are kind of similar actors. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't oh. hold that against you. I, Patrick I think, Swayze is dead. I think so. I, I, I like... That's I, true. I think I like Dirty Dancing more than Footloose, but, like, who cares? I've never seen... Hey, Roadhouse is better than all of them. Roadhouse rules. Go pick up the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of Roadhouse. It just yeah. came out. Hell yeah. Anyway, uh, that scene. Another thing I like about that opener is the practicals. Um, it's all done practically. She uh, breaks a mirror? A vase a with vase. flowers in it. Yeah. yeah, and she grabs a shard of it and presses it up against her cheek, and we see the blood flow behind it as it slowly comes down, and she cuts her throat open, and there's lots of nice ooey-gooey practical blood pouring down her shirt from the And the, the whole wound. time she's doing a scary smile. smile. And uh, it's a good smile. It's a good scary smile. I, I think uh, that, that actress did a good job with that. It looks spooky. And uh, footnote on that for some of the other ones. But uh, it reminded me of the the Jesse Ventura shaving scene in Predator. Mm. Where, like, they they actually put, like, a, a, a tiny drill to burst the, the blood, um, the, the squib. And I, I think that it was either, like, inside of it or just, like, a tube up her sleeve behind it, like, pouring Probably. the blood down. Yeah. And I love that shit. It's, it's just, it, it's simple. It's not... A big deal. Lots of movies do it, but it looked good, and it's a fun way to start yeah. the film. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a great way to start because compared to something like Conjuring Three, where you just have uh, spinning haunted house Jesus. insanity, like oh yeah, it's, it's at the very a much beginning, more grounded, too, yeah. like in reality, practical effects focused start to the movie, which kind of sets your expectations mm-hmm. pretty well. And honestly, I think the smiles in this movie are actually pretty creepy. Like, they do a good job picking actors and actresses that have, like, creepy-looking smiles. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the primary casting decisions for a Mm -hmm. lot of these people, is they probably just brought them into the audition room and said, give me your creepiest smile. And it's like, okay, that's a good one. Can you act? Well, we'll work around that. But you do a creepy smile. I I heard one critique about this movie where... The, the smiles don't look the same. I think it was... Uh, what's the what's that one reviewer with the long hair other than me? Uh, uh, your movie sucks, I think, that guy. I don't know. I don't uh, watch it. Yeah, he had a critique where it was like, they don't... Red Letter Media is like the only YouTube movie review show I watch. Yeah, it's them, and I, I tune into his stuff every once in a while. I usually don't agree with his, his opinions, but uh, I he, he's, he's pretty funny. Like, he's got some good jokes, but... Uh, yeah, like there was that. There was a critique where like they don't all have like a similar looking smile. Wow, because they're different actors who have different faces. Yeah, I don't. Want yeah, like CG I didn't really get that. Yeah, exactly. Like smile. you were saying, the truth or dare thing. You don't want like a, a goofy CG Joker smile pasted onto all of these people. Right, I agree, and I think like yeah, they're they're different people. They're different characters. You know, like possessed by the demon. Yeah, I think it works it's fine. Like the, you, you also want variety. Like, also, it's like kind of... also it's not like there's ever any ambiguity about what a smile in this movie yeah. means right it's like mm-hmm. if a character starts doing a creepy smile you know that they're the demon or the entity or whatever it's not like be like wait is that a different one because the smile doesn't look exactly the same as on this other character that's a fucking stupid so, critique man. yeah I, the only reason i wanted to mention it is just because i did hear that review it was spoiler free like until uh, before i went in to see the movie because mm-hmm. i actually didn't think i was even gonna watch smile it had, I mean, it had no effect on my viewing of it or whatever, but for the most part, like, you know, just to be kind, uh, like, he, he, 
he did have some like other like good points about the movie that we are mostly on the same page about. Not that that really matters. And generally, I really like his content. I could do continue. Well, it's if we're on the subject of gripes, I. Sure. Uh, we do have another movie to talk about, so I, I definitely want to get this one off my chest. Is my biggest gripe with this movie is something that you mentioned a few minutes ago, Ben, is that it's about trauma. And this is something that yeah. is super common in horror these days, is that it all every especially high concept like a 24 horror movie the monster can't just be a monster it has to be a metaphor for the character's trauma or ptsd or something like that and this movie though it is much more lowbrow it tries to do the same high concept thing where the monster is a metaphor except I guess the writer director didn't have enough faith in himself to let the viewer figure that out on their own because there's at one point a character says the line out loud it feeds on your trauma there has to be there has to be trauma and that's like why why can't it just be about a monster that smile? It's so apparent, See, too, like, with, like, the last shot of the movie and everything. Like, it's so obvious. And it's like, yes, it's like, we fucking get it. It's like, I, that, and I think that everything just about in this movie that tries to make the monster metaphorical fails. Large, not not everything, but most of it. I think the fact that this is a popcorn ass movie, yeah, makes it feel a bit more bearable to yes. me. In that, like, they're not trying to be clever about it; they're being very direct with it, and that's fine. And you know, on top of that, for me, I think one of the scariest sequences of this film is a flashback to uh, the main character's actual trauma, seeing her mom fucked up on like opioids like yeah. begging for help is horrifying yeah. like the the look on her face just kind of like eyes glazed over and half open like drooling trying to ask for help i agree it's that's a terrifying th- that's about the only aspect of it that works and i think you could still include that stuff that works well without so much of the rest of it because this movie is just under two hours for this type of movie it's long and it does feel its length at times and i think that a lot of the stuff that you could cut is the less developed stuff like with the with the fiance turning out to be a piece of shit a train played by the guy who plays a train in the boys he's great um, and he's fine in this movie and plays a similar character where he's kind of a fucking douchebag, but all of that where like, oh, once her trauma comes out, her partner can't deal with it because their relationship has never faced strain before. So he becomes a totally different person and I don't abandons like that her that all happens in and one that, scene and also. that the, the, and that, so then she has to reconnect with her ex-boyfriend who is also a cop. So she goes to him for information, but through the course of the movie, they kind of fall back in love with each other. And she reveals that you were, you know, you were the best thing that ever happened to me. Being with you started to break down my wall, the walls that I would built around myself. And that scared me. So that's why I left. It's like, ugh. Who gives a shit? 
It's about a scary monster that smile at you. It's about what if a smile was scary. That's all this movie yeah. needs to be about. It doesn't need to be about it any of It needs to be a little charitable. Like, look at Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, those movies explicitly say Freddy, you know, feeds on fear right. and stuff. Like, that's something that is very direct. And right, that's but, common in popcorn. But that's, but that's the thing also is that the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, especially, like, the original, those are... The, the first one is almost 40 years old at this point. Yeah. You know, it's like... And so I, they lean in way harder. And it's like, it's not... I don't think it's a bad thing for horror movies to be about something. But or I just... I, or, or even explicit about or it. Or explicit about it. And there are many, like, high-concept horror movies that I love. But I just don't think that every film needs to be... A, every horror film needs to be about that. Yeah. And I just think that that's the stuff that's... Uh, most clumsily handled yeah. in this movie. I, I would agree to an extent. I I am thankful that it doesn't feel like they're trying to be too clever for their own good, yeah. really. Like, it is kind of dumb guy stuff. Like, it's it's dumbed down, it follows. Yeah. It just yeah. is. And, uh... And it's just... You know in, what? It's if about that exposes more yeah. people to, like... If this is a gateway to actually stuff like It Follows... Sure. Great. Awesome. You know? I mean, I don't even think a movie like It Follows is inaccessible, but, you know, I I, I agree with you. Like, um, I find way more comparisons to The Babadook. I mean, they're both, you know, It Follows, whatever, but, like, like I think that The, the Babadook is all about trauma also. Yeah, and... I, I mean, so is It Follows, though. It's about ex- specifically sexual trauma, but the monster is an embodiment of sexual trauma that follows you until it catches you. Smile is about an embodiment of just generalized trauma that follows you until it catches you Uh, and passes its and passes itself on. Yeah, stuff like that. It's a shame because there's another movie I've watched recently where the monster is also trauma, and I really want to talk about it, but I can't because I watched a screener of it and it's one of ours and it's Uh, I'm under NDA on it. Well, after the movie, men. Men, the Alex Garland film that yeah. came out early 2020 maintains allegory though at least like, yeah I it's I think I have I a think lot of problems with men I, I do think it's pretentious but like at least it does that and I do yeah it, I think it, it's more bearable and smile to be honest more bearable Just yeah, because, yeah I, in yeah. that in that respect yes. yeah yeah but also another movie where the monster is trauma yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's the bab Whole, uh, fuck, what's the most pernicious way I could phrase this? It's the Babadookification of the Babadookification. Uh, horror. <laughs> Can we talk about the monster? Yes. Uh, which is trauma? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the third act monster reveal, we get an actual monster reveal which I in was this movie. totally not expecting and thought it was awesome. Big agree. It's maybe my favorite part of the movie. Oh, it it's is. it's yeah, amazing. It's yeah. Yeah. No well, joke. yeah, to, to set that up, we're jumping over a lot of stuff, but. That's okay. Uh, the Smile prote- kill yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, it's not complicated. The protagonist reasons that the only way that she can be safe is if she isolates herself, so there's nobody around for her to kill herself in front of. If there's nobody to pass the curse on to, the monster won't won't kill her. So where's the most isolated place she can go? Somewhere where she can literally confront her actual trauma. 
the house where her where she grew up where her mother died um the the whole time there's this this specter of the mother character hanging over the i mean hell the the opening shot of the film is the mother dead from an overdose on the bed and they all throughout the movie they talk about it as a suicide that the mother you know od'd she she took too many pills and then once she gets to the house we see through the flashback like you mentioned she didn't intentionally overdose. She accidentally overdosed, asked her 10-year-old daughter to call for help. The daughter did not and let her die. That's the character's trauma. So first, she confronts the monster as literally just a hyper-exaggerated, monstrous form of her mother. Just a bit, just a big, tall lady with a huge forehead and big teeth. Yeah, it's basically um, an it follows person. I mean, it is. It's there. They they even do almost the same shot of like the overly tall monster person coming out of the dark hallway. Way scarier in it follows. Yeah, but yeah. It, this is fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. I I I like. I do think that that like Ben mentioned, like the the flashback with the the mother dying and asking for help, like is pretty scary. And then like her getting up and like turning into the monster and having that whole confrontation is yeah. is cool. To me the the monster kind of looked like the the monster from Mortuary Assistant a little bit. Which one? The, the oh, the 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 pale one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it just looked like uh, He's uh He's looked a like boy. Uh, Mama from Mama. Kinda, yeah, uh, just a just a big just a big bitch with a huge forehead. You know? Yeah, and arms that are a little too long. Yeah, I I really like the design of that. I I do too. I do too. I think it's fun in this in this movie, and especially like with the with the big exaggerated mouth too. Like for for a smiling monster is is cool, but uh, then they do a kind of obvious fake out where she defeats the monster and is like because she's like oh she does a, she does a freddy a freddy thing it's it like it's very nightmare and elves yeah it's like if uh if because the monster says like you know your mind makes it real you're real because which you, i didn't like which you because you perceive me as real and so she has this moment where she's like well if if uh if it's my mind that makes it real then you're stuck in here with me too also very similar to malignant um i'm not trapped in here with you you're trapped I, in here with yeah me. you're trapped in here with me smashes this a uh, very convenient old timey gas lantern that she has for some reason. Uh, it sets it on fire, sets the house on fire. You know she's confronted her trauma. She's no longer afraid of it. She has burned it down, and she goes back to the ex boyfriend to uh, be like, "I actually love you," or whatever. Um, can I just like sleep on your couch, uh, to, you know, overcome this big ordeal that I just went through and like, can you just stay with me while I sleep? And he's like, oh yeah, I'll stay with you. I'll always stay with you. And then he does a scary smile and oh my God, she's back at the, at the house. I do, I, I really do like that transition where she, she runs out because she's in the normal house. She's in her old home. 
And then she runs outside, and she's running out of the old house, and she yeah. turns around and she sees it. I, I think that's nice. That's a great. It's fun. You know, and well, and she runs out, and then the ex-boyfriend actually pulls up because he's figured out where she's gone, and you know because he's trying to be. Uh, you know, uh, a chivalrous hero and not leave her to face this alone. He's like, oh, even though she tells him to stay away, he shows up and of course, now that there's someone there to witness her death that seals her fate, she runs back in the house, locks the door, the monster appears again, and we get the true monster reveal, which is fucking fantastic. Amazing. It literally peels off its face and it's just like a big goofy smile within a smile within a smile it's, a, a it's multi-jawed like a jawed monster it's a ghoul yeah. it's ripped all its skin off so it's skinless and but it's wet. like t- it's like 10 feet tall it's yeah. like huge and yeah but it's just got it's, this huge gaping maw it's that, just like sets and sets of lower jaws over lower jaws that are is, all smiling yeah and it's and, great yeah it's it's fucking awesome and uh it uh, it just, like, opens her mouth real wide and climbs on inside, which reminded me of uh, Daniel Isn't Real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, She talked yeah. about a couple of years ago. Um, that's a trope that, I, that I'll always love in, in horror movies is when a monster climbs inside someone's mouth, <laughs> just pulls it open real wide and climbs in there. Um, and, yeah, then he, uh, the boyfriend breaks in and... Now she's there and she's smiling and uh, she's dumping gasoline on herself and, herself and sets herself on fire in front of him. And you can see her burning silhouette reflected in his eyes as it kind of zooms in on his face and the curse is passed on. I love how bleak the ending is. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you for, for a popcorn horror movie, you almost expect a happy-ish ending. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's kind of frustrating about the fake out until you realize that it is a fake out because they do start to give you oh. a happy and it's like, "Oh, she did it and now she's, you know, she lost her other boyfriend, but now she's regaining a boyfriend and everything uh-huh. is going to be sunshine and roses again. Well, she's come to terms with her trauma about her mother, but uh nope. And I, I like that, too, because in that moment, the first time I was watching the movie, I was kind of bummed out. Also, because the one thing I'd heard about this movie is the monster is great. And I was like, oh, word, cool. The monster at the end is going to yeah. be cool. Awesome. I saw the big tall person. I'm like, okay, they didn't it follows, but it's scarier than that. I don't really understand. I don't think it's that bad. That's scary. And on top of that, when she lights on fire with the lantern, when it's on fire... It does a shot reverse shot where we never see her and it in the room at the same time. Right. And it, it's because it's because really the burning editing. monster is CG. And yeah. They didn't they didn't want to waste their money on. Yeah. Trying to green trying to composite. So her it just does there. a 180 where like you see the burning monster and then you see her by the door and then back to the burning monster. And we never get like her in the shot with it and it reaching out to her, which is a missed opportunity because like, that's usually a really good way to like you put your character in the shot and like you're in fear for them with the monster and there's a sense of proportion but like we don't get that and it's really cheap and then she runs off and it's like oh man now they're gonna do a happy ending i was really bummed out so i was quite pleased when it came back around and we got our six smile monster i would have the subversion is nice i would love to see more of it but i think with the movie's budget that's they were maxed yeah like think for what they had and um so i think it's still a good use of budget it's all fine we forgot to mention how weird it was that the the house just had a gas lantern yeah, that was weird. I mean, it's just like one of those things like, oh, it's an old house, but it's like, yeah, so but, she never sold she, the house. but she lived there. She lived there yeah, with well, that her. That was a plot point. 
because she didn't want to sell it and her sister did mm. yeah that's right that yeah at the dinner yeah mm. well it's like yeah i it's supposed to be like oh she found it in the old house but it's like the old house she lived there with her mom like 20 years yeah. ago it's like but they have one of these like old gas lanterns and it's like it's just because it's more evocative than a flashlight uh, it's creepier, and also so she can smash it on the monster and set it on fire. I really love the bleak ending with all of this because I feel like thematically it works really well. Even though they hit us over the head with trauma, it's like it would feel like a cop out to give a happy ending to well, a story a about trauma. Yeah, because you can't just be like oh i defeated my trauma it's not there anymore it's- yeah I, I i agree and you can just do the exact same thing the babadook did i do think i do yeah. think the messaging is kind of mixed though for a movie that's like claiming to be about confronting your trauma like what does the end really say it's like you can try to confront your trauma but in the end it's just going to climb inside your mouth and live there forever <laughs> you know <laughs> like i i don't I think that's another sort of, like, writing problem is, like, if your film's going to be a meta... Like, if your monster's going to be a metaphor for something, like, say something? It doesn't really... Whatever. Like you said, it's a popcorn movie. Are y'all ready to rate Uh, Smile? One quick note that flows into ratings nicely is there this movie does feature a fantastic cat named Mustache. Oh, yeah. Um, That's my joke at the beginning. Finds it. Yeah, um, an unfortunate demise. And, yeah, the cat goes missing, and uh, you know, to kind of show the final straw in her descent into madness, um, she goes to her nephew's birthday party and gives him a train set gift. He opens it up, and the dead cat is inside. He displays it in CG fashion. This dead cat—it's very obviously yeah. a CG mm-hmm. dead cat. And we talked about it, um, and my first thought was like how a lot of movies do these days: is they have a puppet, and they also have they, they usually shoot it twice. They have it with a puppet and then with nothing so they can maybe CG it in if the puppet doesn't work. But I think in this case they just did CG because I think it's because they didn't want to freak. There's there's a lot of children on set. Mm Because we noticed too in the rest of the scene while she's having like her breakdown and she's like screaming like I, um, you know, about the dead cat and I didn't put the dead cat in the box and so on and so forth. It's cut in such a way that none of the children are in any of the shots where she's actually, like, screaming and crying. So I think they just had, like, a like a, a green puppet or something that they CG'd a dead cat onto. Yeah, Looks yeah. kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, but they, they cut away from it really quickly to try yeah, and hide I, it. So, I, didn't, like, I didn't notice it until this second watch. Yeah. So. And, like, when you catch it, it does look pretty bad, but they're, they're cutting from it so fast, it's fine. It's never it's never the focal point of the shot, so um, it's, it's fine. Yeah, and um, I, I will say, uh, generally, when it comes to... Horror films, I, I I tend to like in thrillers where, like, those with sin die, those without sin don't. It's fun. You know, it can be a little outdated and, you know, in a lot of cases chauvinistic because it's like, oh, they had sex so they need to die or yeah. whatever. But um, I still, I'm still a fan of that, which is why I generally hate it in horror movies. And this is not a, like, not the most common of takes, but, like, I generally hate it. No horror movies when they kill the animal because animals are free of sin. Right, like, they're innocent. Don't, yeah, yeah. Like let let the let the dogs and cats live. Big proponent of that. Uh, I don't care how bleak your horror movie is. Um, and I and I generally agree with you. And I think a lot of films sort of cynically kill the animals for no real reason, other than that 
something needs to die or the dog needs to die because otherwise it would be barking and trying to bite the slasher or whatever. But in this movie, I forgive it more because though it is sad that the beautiful little kitty cat dies, at least in the film, it has a meaningful payoff with the reveal of opening the gift and there's a dead cat instead of a model train. That That's, scene is fucking hilarious. When there's when there's like a when there's like a good narrative reason for it and it's it, well executed. It yeah. bothers it bothers me less. Also because it's not gratuitous about right. it. it. It's it's well done. It is. And I, and I and I did I did enjoy it. And again, they did a good job when the cat is there. Its name Mustache which is a great name for a cat, and it's a good looking cat. Like it's not like that? it's not like in the Collector where oh. the cat gets thrown on like the sticky acid That's and like, like burns its yeah pe- part I, of its skin off, and then it jumps up on the window, which s- closes down and cuts it in half. Like that's just. Yeah, like those movies Fuck are supposed shit. to be gratuitous, and I get it, but I yeah, hate that. I hate no, that, to I hate that shit too. Minus two stars off of that movie for it, but this one, okay. Just by principle, I usually take off a star. I'm only gonna take off half a star. Okay, for it. Well, what is what is the rating? What's three. What about three point five? Okay. Yeah. Ben, what about you? Uh, I I really enjoyed this movie. I think this is like the perfect middle ground between high concept and popcorn horror. I I think it's an example of an okay script executed excellently. I'm really excited to see what Parker Finn does next. Um, this Smile was a four too, out baby. of five for me. I, well. I want to pose that question after we rate. Okay. Yeah, um for me I'm I'm going to split the difference uh for a 3 out of 5. I like a lot of things about this movie. I think it has some writing problems and it's a little bit too long, but uh I'm really happy it did well. And what it will be, I think, is one of those movies that I go back and watch every now and then when I want a horror movie that I don't have to think too hard about and can spend most of my time scrolling on my phone and look up for a few like really great sequences that I like. I think this is like the perfect kind of movie for that. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy it did well and I'm on board for smile too. So three and a half out of five, um, which will make three and a half the average for smile. Well, this, this poses a question. This movie was very successful at the box office as we were saying earlier like 200 million or something Mm -hmm. like that um parker finn said he's not opposed to a sequel but he wants to make sure that they do something different with it so it's not just retreading the same territory Mm -hmm. what do you think they should do for smile Two? frown whoa turn that smile upside down pretty crazy and it's it revealed that there's there's more than one trauma monster out there, but instead of this one smiling at people, uh, this one frowns at people, and it's represents a different kind of trauma somehow. I got a couple thoughts. I think uh, this movie did really well, so they would give the next one a much bigger budget, so you can go pretty big with it, right? You can do some set pieces. You can go kind of crazy. Uh, the first thing I would want out of it, which isn't that big, but I want it to in some way revolve around some sort of fast food chain where the mascot is smiling, mm. um, you know, for cuteness. I think that's fun. Um, uh, and then 
some sort of big like mass produced trauma thing where like they can infect an entire city with smile. Oh, somebody Ooh. kills somebody kills themselves on, on television live, yeah, on live TV on yeah. TV and simultaneously the, the trauma monster tries to spread as much. Oh yeah, and yeah. it becomes like a plague, yeah. a, a plague of I smiles. Like that. and now like that's that that's an interesting idea. Yeah, and then they have to call in the national guard, and you know it's it's awesome. Yeah, and then there's like. and then it ends with the smile apocalypse. And then Smile Three is uh, post Smile Apocalypse. I, I can see uh, the, the the poster already. It's like the globe, but it has the smiley face on it, drawn on it. Yeah, yeah. in blood. Oh, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. It's like it's like uh, the 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 cover art for uh, Jean Michel Jarre's Oxygen. You know, where it's like the the world, but like the top part of the crust is taken off and there's a skull beneath it. But instead, it's the bottom part and it's a smile skull. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. All right. Well, moving on. We've got a whole other movie to talk about, so let's waste no time. So the second film that we're going to be talking about is Incantation, which is a Taiwanese horror film directed by Kevin Cho that came out on Netflix uh, kind of out of nowhere in summer 2022, in June, I believe. And uh, for a little while, it was just blowing everybody's nips clean off. Uh, and I was one of those people, for the most part, hence why I chose it. I really liked this movie a lot. It was in my top ten of the year. Um, but I didn't mention it on our Best of the Year podcast because i knew we were going to talk about it now it uh was the highest grossing taiwanese horror movie of all time yep it's also uh interesting that it is uh one of two really good taiwanese horror films that came out in 2022 the other being the sadness yeah um they're having a sort of renaissance yeah i could say um so cleveland you have used a particular phrase to describe this film a couple of times, which I think is correct, but a little bit unfair. You describe it as Noroi the worse. Yeah. Which I do... And I agree that is correct Which I do, it's correct and unfair. It's correct in the sense that it is not as good as Noroi. It's unfair in the sense that Noroi is a perfect film and a near <laughs> impossible bar to meet by any film. Yeah. And though Incantation does share a lot of the same DNA, both being um, Asian found footage horror films about being cursed by a spooky deity... I think that uh, Incantation is really good. I, it takes a very different approach from Neroy, um, but does have a lot of uh, a lot in common. Definitely shares similar DNA. Yeah, so I don't I don't come off like right out the gate as a villain. Um, this movie is fantastic, and I do mm -hmm. I, I love it. There are so many great moments in it. Um, I think I've seen it three times now, which is uh, as many times as I've seen Neroy. Um, and I've also seen. One of the films that predecessed Neroy, I don't know if I'm using that term correctly, but uh, the, the same director as Neroy. I've seen some of his earlier films, mm. um, and you can see the lineage there, which kind of also shows some of the strings on the curse a little bit. But yeah, like, Neroy is a perfect film, it, and it's it's a low-budget film. And I think it's a perfect found... It's In other words, it's a perfect found it's footage film. It's a perfect film. found footage film, it's, yeah. It's my favorite found footage film at this point. Like, I, I don't think I can I can really consider any found footage movie better than it. I think it, it's one of the best 
uses of the genre and yeah it's it's perfect for what it should be yeah um incantation has a massive budget by comparison yes and is Mm -hmm. has a lot more spectacle going for it and almost all of that spectacle lands in a big way for me like it's great i was i had an amazing time with it i don't think it's as clean no and i don't think the and, and the biggest issue is that naroi Found footage or not has some of the best and most compelling characters I've seen in a horror film too. Yes, like I adore every character in Neroy. Um, in particular, our wonderful, like crazed aluminum garbed um, hero guy. Um, he's great. Yeah, and I, I he's perfect. Tra- tragic prophet character. Yeah, our, our tragic. Kind of. Yeah, our tragic prophet. Like he's he's amazing. Um, and and everyone else is. Like, mm-hmm. like all our characters, even Norai does have a good, a good strong cast. Yeah, like even our quiet documentarian has like like a good personality to him, and everyone in 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 incantation is fine, but by comparison, I mean like no one sticks as much, no one is as mm-hmm. wonderful. Like there's a there's a your pretty stereotypical haunted child, concerned mother figure, concerned father figure, um, and I do like I I do really like their their family dynamic. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the interesting dynamic of incantation that sort of breaks the cliche a little bit is that our protagonist, uh, Ron- Ronan is her name, she is uh, reuniting with her young daughter of six years old after giving her up at birth, and we're, we're kind of learning about the events that led to her giving up the child and now why six years later she's decided to try to bring her back into her life and raise her you know on her own and in that sense it's also like smile kind of it's about trauma it's about family it's about trauma the the story is told very non-linear and it's got a cool mouth monster and it's got a cool mouth monster more on that later Uh, yeah, the story is told very non-linearly. There's a lot of flashbacks. It jumps around in time quite mm-hmm. a bit. I, I just want to say early on, I really enjoyed this movie. I saw it two times in this last week, mm-hmm. in addition to the one time I've seen it before. Um, I think it's great. I will say on rewatches, I think one of its flaws a little bit is pacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. It's That's fair. Um, it bounces around. It's an, yeah. uh, also similarly to Smile. It's long. It's, yeah, it's, it's just long, under two hours. And I think some of the non-linear stuff, some of it hits more than others. Sometimes it it feels like it just draws things out a little too much. Yeah. Um, it it has a couple of like tonally inconsistent things. Although I, especially after rewatch, I I can I've actually been able to sort of explain away some of the problems that I had on the initial watch. Same. Not necessarily it doesn't necessarily forgive them from a storytelling perspective, but I did find myself able to personally forgive them a little bit more. A big issue especially while we're still on the Neroy comparison that I had with it on first watch is what Neroy and a lot of Koji Shiraishi's stuff does. The, is the authenticity. Neroy really feels like a good found footage film because it feels deeply authentic, mm-hmm. the way it's presented and everything, and especially considering that it kind of found its way to the U.S. on YouTube before Shutter picked it up, all of this stuff. Um, 
in that way, it's sort of like the Blair Witch Project, and that's, you know, that's what makes really good found footage horror, is that sense that, like, you're watching something that you shouldn't necessarily be seeing, that you've just kind of stumbled upon. Mm -hmm. And with Incantation, especially on first watch, I was kind of turned off by, like, how manufactured it is. Like, it does not have that same level of authenticity, but the more I think about it, and especially on rewatch, I kind of like that now because what I really had to realize is that this character who is presenting this film to us is a she's a fucking YouTuber. And really, the film is constructed in a lot of ways like an extended YouTube essay, video essay. With a lot of the same pacing problems that are sort of inherent in those things. Edited in music. Edited in music and kind of, like, emotionally manipulative, uh, like, string pulling. And that's what I would, when I was watching the first time, like, oh, this is kind of annoying. It doesn't have that, that same raw feeling that something like Neroi does. But then it's like... Well, of course not, because the person, our protagonist who's presenting this to us, is a fucking YouTuber. She's made an intentionally, especially by the end, an intentionally manipulative story to share with the world because she's trying to achieve a specific goal. I think one of its strengths is uh, the way that's framed at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. With kind of going I love the beginning of this movie. The The ideas of... Uh, manipulating your perception. And how thought shapes the world yeah. around you, which does end up becoming sort of a big theme. I love the opening of this movie because it it starts with two of these same kind of like optical illusions. The first one is like a drawing of a Ferris wheel, and you can... It's like moving frame by frame, and so you can either make it rotate clockwise or counterclockwise with your mind just by, like, changing the perception. Magic. Same thing with, like, the the video of the train going into the tunnel. You can do the same thing. It's shot in such a way where you can make it seem like it's coming out of the tunnel instead, while this voiceover is kind of talking about the way that you thought influences and can make things real in the world. But then it, it slaps you right after that with these like very spooky shots of something that you have no context for yet like this little girl's body that's like covered in like sores and like holes and stuff and the shot of the inside of the mouth with like all of the extra teeth and stuff it's like just going from one to the other is like such a a that, strong cold. That alien. shot alone, done practically, looks incredible. Yeah, the yeah. the inside of the mouth with all of the yeah, extra fucking teeth. Like it's one of those like medical cams too. Like it gets really tight in mm-hmm. there, like inside the mouth, and you're you're trying to figure out like what's even going on because I think it starts from the back, like the back of the throat to the front, and like like all of the teeth. It's all wet. It's all inside of a mouth that looks yeah. real and uh like earnestly real, and um that's fucking impressive yeah really really spooky and you know then we get a little bit of the talking head of ronan you know talking to us as the audience being like um you know i what i'm i'm doing this to save my daughter and you know i need your help look at this symbol memorize this symbol and like while you're holding it in your mind 
recite this incantation that we hear and see many times throughout the the movie. So just a heads up, if you're trypophobic, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. You're going to have a really bad time with yeah. this movie because like all of the sores that are on the girl and stuff, they all have like those like repeated holes in yeah. them that are just so nasty and spooky and I f- fucking love it. It's really good makeup. Like it's super well done. Yeah, they really play up the the tiny holes. Mm-hmm. That's that's another thing that like uh... What I what I really appreciate on follow up viewing that I think is kind of a problem on first viewing too, and I think contributes to some of the pacing stuff is this movie is very dense, especially the lore. There's so much, and a lot of it is done very subtly, and it's not. And it is interesting for the it's, most. No, part it's too. it's all interesting, and I think one of the one of the great things about this movie is that attention to detail, and why I appreciated it even more on rewatch is because. I was able to pick up on more of that detail. I think that it can, on a first viewing, like it, it's a, it's throwing a lot at you. Yeah, and that is that is a problem with pacing. I I do agree, but I do I think it's a film that holds up very well on rewatch. Great. Yeah. Um, I do think at times it gets a little lost in the sauce with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Um, you know, it does a good job breaking some of that up with spooky sequences yeah um which is nice you know i think in that respect some of the non-linearity helps a little bit because they kind of sense when they're losing steam a little bit and then they jump to something it's like spooky. yeah now we need to go see something spooky and also what it does is it saves us from having to watch the flashback video all at once which would be like just like inserting a 30 minute flashback somewhere in the movie, which I think would hurt the pacing (laughs) more than it does. But yeah, the movie jumps back and forth present time with her, with Ronan readopting her daughter Dodo and them, you know, trying to have a life together, but very quickly realizing that something is wrong. There's something spooky and Ronan seems to recognize aspects of it and is trying to keep herself from freaking out. And then that is intercut with um, the flashback to six years prior when she and her friends or colleagues or whatever who have this uh, Ghostbusters-style YouTube channel where they go to spooky places and look for ghosts and stuff, they go to this isolated mountain village like way out in the middle of nowhere where this like very old clan that one of them belongs to or his family belongs to is doing some sort of uh you know obscure annual ritual and that they're 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 there because they know that this clan had the Chen clan has the uh there's a tunnel that you do not enter and, I gotta they're, say, and they're gonna go. They're going up there so they can enter that spooky tunnel, the forbidden hole, and the forbidden say, hole. Yeah, this this whole village looks amazing. Like this, these sets are mm. fucking yeah. bangers. I think we were, we were joking about like, oh man, like 
this is a fucking Far Cry game, you know? Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, each building is sort of made from, like, found objects, you know? Some of the, the roofs are scrapped, some of them aren't, but, like, they're usually multiple stories tall, and they're still done with, like, you know, traditional Asian architecture, and it looks fucking cool and there's a lot of like winding side paths through the village it's it's a mountain village it's, it's, yeah it's, it's yeah. a village built on a mountain and so it, oh it looks yeah it looks really good and it gets shown off a lot so i, I just yeah. it's appreciate cool that even the village has a good personality and i will say to the movie's benefit i think we were talking about authenticity earlier you know the village has kind of an air of authenticity to mm-hmm. it you know that and like the religious practices they bring even though in reality, they're fictionalized. Like, it feels like a real, like, belief system yeah, that it does. they have. Well, I mean, the all that, that lore is thought out, you know, and that's, we, we get so much of that. And there are, there is a lot of attention to detail about their belief system and the deity that they worship and all of this stuff. It's just like, it's it's very developed. It's very well thought out. Um, and the practices and rituals and stuff that they do around it is is cool. And I what I like about it too is that like one of the pretenses that they set up very early on is the more you know about the deity, the more likely that the more prone you are to like misfortune. So the more you learn, the more you experience, the more cursed you become, which. I think is cool because then as the viewer, it's like throughout the film, we're learning more and it's like you are, it, it makes you, what the movie does really well. And we'll especially talk about at the end is the movie really makes you feel like an active participant, yep. which I think is its number one greatest strength. And I think is also important for found footage, even though some of the like kind of Blair Witch Noroi authenticity is lost. It gains a degree of authenticity in that, you are not a passive viewer. You're an active participant in what is happening. It's yeah. it's kind of perfect. Well, there's another film we should mention that's very relevant, and that's The Ring. Um, sure. Yeah, because The Ring also invo- involves a cursed movie. But here, the movie that you're watching is the cursed movie. Right. And that's perfect. Like, but it's it's doing the same, and especially by the end, like, that's made very clear yeah. to us. They're like, oh, yeah, sorry, this whole thing... Was designed spoilers, to be, yeah, yeah. Spoilers, yeah. Spoilers for Incantation, which you should go fucking watch. Um, uh, yeah, by the end, it's revealed to us that, hey, guess what? This entire thing you've been watching, I've slowly been cursing you. And now you have it, too. Go spread it. Like, and the more that we spread the curse, maybe the more that we can dilute it. And we can we can solve all this bullshit. Um, maybe, or we, we're all just gonna, like, all of our teeth are gonna fall out. Who knows? Yeah. And it's it's slower and it's cooler and it, the way it's 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 gradually introduced is neat and much more than just like looking at a spooky well, you really do feel like it's seeping in. Yeah, that, that, that fucking rules. Like that's great. Uh, so yeah, big big props to this movie for that. And and you know what? Um, again, for as grand as it all is, as found footage goes, that's a that's a fucking gem of a concept for a found. Yeah, footage. totally. Like like that. Oh, the movie it, like. That's the whole point of found footage, right? Like, we talked about it on um, even uh, uh, Trash Humpers, right? Like, it feels like you just kind of, like, found this VHS tape at a, um, like, a used 
uh, you know, goods store, and you put it on, and it's like, oh fuck, there, there's like real murders on this. It's tape like, yeah, shit. what? I'm not it's, supposed to be watching this. It's forbidden. Yeah. It's cursed footage, and this is the, the ultimate curse, right? Yeah, like it's like the actual spiritual fuck up fuckery that's that's going on as you slowly watch this movie, and it's all done as an incantation right well and and cool and it it justifies some of the things in the movie that i find a little bit more grating too like especially like sort of leading up to the climax at the end there's this whole part where there's just like this fairy like melancholy like emotional piano music and you're like it's like flashing back to things that we've already seen in the movie and like why Ronan is uh uh actually like a good mother and she's doing everything for her child and it's just it's feels it's like so sickly sweet and it's I find it kind of obnoxious but also like the point is the or the the meta narrative aspect of it is it's intentionally manipulative it's supposed to you know tug at your heartstrings because this character this person is asking you to participate in this ritual to help her save her daughter so she's trying to make you really love them you know to make you feel good about it and she gives you multiple outs she's like if you don't want to do this, stop watching now because we're about to get into the thing. But it's like, oh, no, I, you know, I want to help her save her daughter. So I got to keep going, you know, like it's 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 an interesting thing because like watching it, it is kind of annoying, but it does feel like it is intentionally done. It's motivated. It's that it's motivated. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a strange beast. And I got to I got to be real, too. I'm going to talk about my my favorite shot in the movie, of which there are many. But the way that she Im- imbues us with it is super fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Like, so throughout the film, we keep seeing this symbol that appears. Um, and it's relatively complex, too. Like, it's a uh, you know, series of lines and then, like, circles. Some are dotted in, some aren't. Um, yeah, it's some, it's some occult... Ad- it's yeah. like, it's an occult-ass-looking it's a really, symbol. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a good-looking symbol for that, too. It feels like an occult symbol. It, um, uh, But it seems kind of tricky. She's like, you, you got to start memorizing this. Yeah. Throughout the movie, and she's like, okay, it comes down the middle, and it's like a triangle, and then, you know, like, there's the dots on either side, and there's the dash at the bottom, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to memorize this thing. Um, and uh, it keeps popping up, usually, like, during, like, chapter sequences mm-hmm. as well, um, and she's showing us other little tricks and fun things. Like you said, it starts with, like, the Ferris wheel, it starts with the, the train. You, you, you know, move, you move forwards or back. Like, we're, we're starting to, we're engaging with the movie in, in a fun kind of puzzle way, which I, I, I love. Um, and... And then at the end of the film where she asks you, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. Let's start saying the chant that we've been hearing throughout the movie. Right. Um, and you, da, 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 you start, like, doing the chant with it. and it I'll put a soundbite in here. Um, and then... It, we get this wonderful image on screen. And the transition is cool because it's on her laptop. and Yeah, she's her, gone her back to the, the tunnel, yeah. And it was really clever, like, on the film production side. Like, and she, yeah, she's in the tunnel, and she puts her camera up to it, and there's kind of the light on it. Um, so it's, it's sort of, um, uh, there's some, like, light diffraction or whatever with her laptop screen. And then she clicks off the light as she centers it. And that allows them 
to put up a, a perfect JPEG of it. Yeah. Like, uh, and it, it's neat because it could still be the laptop screen, um, but it allows for, yeah, them to kind of break that fourth wall in a, in a nice way. And it's the symbol, and then there's a circle of negative space around it, and then the rest of the frame is just filled with runes. Mm-hmm. And as the chanting starts that you're supposed to chant along with, um, little symbols appear in the center that keep you focused in on it. And they're saying things like life, death, God, you know, uh, uh, beauty, agony, despair, etc. Yeah. Um, and so you're really centered in on the screen. And it's just black well, wh- what it is, with white symbols. It's, it's, a class, it's a classic hypnosis trick. Yes. And that, yeah, like the... The the runes on the on the background it's black on white but then in the center the the characters that flash up that you see with the translations it's in red mm-hmm. so you know that like the the optical illusion things you see online where it's like the white and black spiral there's a point of red to f- that you focus on in the middle to keep your focus and then it makes the image like shift around it and so this is doing that it is actively hypnotizing you mm-hmm. in this sequence. And because and, it's also an optical illusion, it feels magical. Well, and the cool thing about it, too, is that it kind of works. Yeah. Like, it goes on for long enough that, like, I feel myself entering a trance, like, during that. Because it's not just quick. Like, it goes on for a couple of minutes of just this background and these red characters flashing up while there's this chanting over it, and your brain does start to kind of, like, fall into a trance-like state. kind of start to feel like they're spinning around the central one. Yeah. And then it carries on, and it carries on, and you're, like, you're trying to devote the symbol to your memory, and then it cuts to... And then, like, as it builds, and it builds, and it builds, a chime is struck, and we're, we cut to perfect white. And the negative image fills with our eyes. Is still and is that still symbol burned is, into your yeah. Is your imprinted on the screen. Ten well, out the, of ten. That's so fucking. Cool. What's fucking cool? Like, to, what's fucking yeah. cool too is that the last thing it does before that, before the chime where it goes to white, is and after it's kind of taken a minute to like hypnotize you, is it asks you to offer your name to think of your to think your own name, and that is part of the ritual of like the offering to this this evil deity this mother buddha is to give her your name so this whole thing is like lulling your brain into this you know very um uh susceptible state and then at the very end it's like you know uh, i forget exactly what it says but it's like think name think name something like that and then it does the chime and it goes to white and it's like superimposed it's so fucking cool it's the coolest shit ever it's so yeah. cool i i haven't seen a movie that does something like it, that it's probably like my favorite moment in movies this year one of them yeah. for sure like yeah. it, it it's so cool it's so compelling to to watch a you know like like working in horror and like doing this podcast and you know like studying film, I think we we, we can all relate to how I mean we we've made a study out of seeing the strings in movies. Yeah, sure. Like we've we, we've made a study of doing like oh cool that's practically done. Like just in Smile, we were talking about like how we were kind of guessing over how an effect was done. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's my job. Like literally. So when I encounter something in a film like this that just makes me feel like an active participant. And that a spell is actually being cast on me, like fucking. 
And honestly, awesome. being being able being able to see the strings makes it even more effective uh-huh. for me to be able to recognize sure. what it's doing to you and that it still accomplishes still it, it is is really cool. Yeah, like yeah. So I uh, yeah I, I have mad props for for that that sequence. And it and again, the the thing that's I think so genius about it is the simplicity. We're just yeah. looking at symbols and listening to a chant, and it what they do with that is genius and to like set it up throughout the film is extremely cool and yeah so this movie is fan-fucking-tastic is there anything earlier on in the film you want to talk about before we get to the end i mean there's there's a number of like good scare sequences and like like we said there's a lot of there's a lot of lore around the the this mother buddha deity and there's a lot of cool stuff like the the feeding frogs hair shit and yeah. when they go into she goes into the room and there's the painting on the ceiling but the face of the mother buddha is like rotted a, out is bleeding. like rotted out and bleeding with the, holes in it. Mm-hmm, with the holes in it and how that sort of sets up the end of the movie i love all of that i love the stuff with the um like the silkworms and caterpillars uh, and the, um, uh, and of course, like, all the holes everywhere. You gotta dig those holes, it's super scary. Uh, but there is one thing I don't like, one gripe, about, like, the special effects stuff. I think they could have gotten rid of, frankly. Like, they could have condensed a little bit. And that's the teleporting. Um, they do oh, it a couple of yeah. times, and I think it's too fantastic. Like, people's teeth falling out and growing back in, there's a biological element to it, like, that really works for me. But just on a personal level... I just felt like it was kind of trite when the lights flicker and the person's there and then they're not there. It it was yeah, a little bit too yeah. spectral, and I, I I feel almost took away from from that's that yeah that's cl- that's cliche ghost movie shit. Yeah. I I do think the sequence where they're like trying to drive to the place and they keep basically like looping around that's and like great. seeing that the same great. thing yeah. is yeah. is pretty cool. I like that. I have to say a lot of the the best sequences of horror in my opinion happened in the flashbacks yeah totally. i feel like the, the the current yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the current day horror stuff is a bit more trite you know spooky ghost in the house you know yeah. it, it it feels like kind of well done territory where mm. the it's well the, executed the yeah the, the flashbacks especially with the the forbidden hole yeah the, the stuff in the tunnel village, like that stuff is so good yeah that it kind of because it's so good it kind of emphasizes to an extent like how everything else is like not quite it's, up to par yeah it's I, I think it's all well executed but it is kind of uh it, it's kind of cliche i think that's one of the biggest things that causes some of the pacing it's issues, generic yeah that being said like i i like the scene at the beginning where like the the girl the little girl is like saying that there's like a baddie on the ceiling mm-hmm. in her room or whatever and they do the whole thing where it's like the mom is trying to be like okay go away baddie she's like well no you you have to lead it out by the hand. So she has to like stand up on a chair and she's just like moving her hand around like empty space and being like, am I holding its hand now? Am I holding? No, you got to go a little, a little higher, a little yeah. to the left. That's just pretty that, spooky. That scene I think is, is pretty spooky. And then she's like trying to take it out through the house. And then like when she gets to the front door, you just kind of see like a shadow pass like back 
into the room like the way they came. I thought that 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 stuff is while not particularly original, it's spooky. Honestly, one of my the spookiest moments for me that I wish there was a little bit more of is the video from like the preschool when uh the little girl like goes down the hallway and she's standing at like the top of the oh, stairs yeah. and there's just like these two long like spectral arms that are coming up from the stairs and like reaching towards her face. That's like the only kind of shit like I I thought that was spooky, but that's like the only time something like that happens in the movie. Well, in the tunnel, we get all the arms. No oh, shot. yeah. That, the, that shot is great. Yeah. I mean, then that's just like, goddamn, how many horror movies is there a tunnel or a hallway where hands come out of the Ever wall and ceiling and try to, yeah. Man. Yeah, but dude, <laughs> they're really well done. I, I, I personally, yeah. I, I'll never get tired of like, it's way better than like a teleporting ghost it's or whatever. Spooky. It's but, like, spooky. I, yeah, yeah, all the I'm, arms coming out of the wall, like, oh yeah. I, I think I, the, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think the whole tunnel is cool. And I mean, tunnels... Tunnels themselves are spooky. Tunnels are, themselves are kind of a cliche of found footage horror in itself. But I think there's a lot of cool stuff in the tunnel. All of like the mirrors and like the weird different shrines that are just kind of set up, yeah, just the like runes and artifacts. And yeah, and then the the Mother Buddha statue at the very end, which is a fucking very very cool prop because it's got like all of the arms but like the hands are separate like all the hands are like hanging suspended because there's no like actual arms on the statues and then of course the the big the big reveal at the end you know when she goes back after the whole uh hypnotizing thing is my other favorite shot yeah, of the movie Mo- mother buddha's face is the center of the curse so that's why the statue has the face covered you don't look at the face of mother buddha um but then that's the last shot of the movie pretty well Close enough. Um, well, it's followed by, like, what becomes a motif in the movie is characters smashing their own face. Yes. Which I think is pretty creepy, honestly. It is. It's yeah. also been done in a lot of horror movies, but especially, so well especially here, yeah. the webcam shot of oh, somebody yeah. I mean, smashing I their of face on the unfriended. keyboard. Unfriended, yeah, where they do that. And unfriended, they're, like, typing host, weird stuff. Host, they do the, they do the same thing in uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake like, with uh, one of the characters. It, like, yeah. it, it's... Um, it's it's common enough, like having watched like too many found footage movies, like you could put it on a bingo sheet. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty common. Yeah, for character smash their head. character smashes their face on a keyboard or, yeah. or something. Um, yeah, well, because like you can do it on a budget, you know, like because you can you can do a transition every time the head hits because there's a shake, so you can have them like come back up with more blood on their yep. nose and stuff, and it's fun and provides easy places to cut yeah, yeah. and it, it's usually fine like i uh you know like it's a cliche but it's it's well enough executed but you know here it also there, there is some reasoning for that because they're trying to put a hole in their head right yeah and uh because that's what's so cool about this reveal right like oh what could be behind the veil that's covering mother buddha's face what could be so scary that we could see after and again too like working in horror you see scary faces all the time. It doesn't really, right. you know, kind of wears off. But, you know, here, this one got the shit out of me because the answer is some really scary nothing. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's a the void, veil is yeah. removed and it's a void, but it's like, it's a metal statue. But where the ring is around the face, it's flesh. It's a flesh hole going back that's covered in tinier pulsating holes. 
and it it's looks a, it's so a good. hole full of holes. Well, and also that like it's it's another tunnel. And it's that endless. It's, it's an endless hole that goes way off yeah. into black because she's yeah. she's she is negative space. She is the emptiness of the mm-hmm. void. Right. Then and uh, so the the prayer the incantation is into nothingness. It's to it's the reverse of of giving of love. It's spreading. It's terrible and it's 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 nihilism and it's yeah. nothing and it's awesome and super fucking scary. Well, that's that's another one of the cool lord details is is the hand thing that like uh the the typical gesture in tantric buddhism i there's a specific word for it i can't remember what it is but it's like you touch your thumb to your forefinger and you do that on both hands and then put the points together and that's supposed to be you're you're collecting blessings you're drawing in blessings but this these people this this deity you still put the thumb and forefinger together, but then you touch the back of your hands together. So it's instead of spreading. bringing in blessings, it's spreading the curse. Throwing up gang signs. Throwing up gang signs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Buddha's a blood. Mother Buddha ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah. <laughs> She's just crip walking around. <laughs> but yeah, no, earnestly scary, earnestly cool. That's great. It is cool. Building. Yeah, it, it is great. It's, and it's and it reminds building, me yeah. of uh the curse and the 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 cutting of the rope and the clapping like mm-hmm. no no other uh clan claps this many times like you, right. you clap four times and bow like this many times and i i love that shit it's super cool and fun and uh i i respect it and uh it again it's it's something you can engage with when they do it you can do it as well yeah you know like at the screen and it's it's fun it's interactive and the, and the incantation itself is short and repetitive enough that whether you want it to or not it does get stuck in your head and you do find yourself reciting it in your head, you know, at the same time as she's asking you to, you can't force yourself to stop doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've glossed over a lot of like specifics in incantation, but it's worth your time. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, if, if you've stuck through and hadn't seen it and you've had the ending spoiled, at least you can enjoy, the myriad of uh, spooks that are to be had that we haven't talked about in detail. We're here to talk about the movies. We're not here to be comprehensive. Sometimes. Sometimes. We we generally are. We try try to be. Yeah. Um, But anyway, do y'all want to uh, rate this one and and bring it it to a close? Um, Honestly, uh, it, it is... It is not as good as Noroi, but it is pretty. It's pretty great. It's one of the most unique found modern found footage films I've seen in a long time, and uh, it's got some pacing problems, but I think it it accomplishes a lot, and it's genuinely pretty spooky at at quite a number of times. Uh, four and a half out of five for me, honestly. On my first watch, this was a four and a half for me as well. I think on rewatches, the pacing issues were a little more apparent. Uh, it's still a fantastic movie, though. I would still strongly recommend it. It's still in in my top 15 of the year, um, but I'd give it a 4 out of 5. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, Naroy is a 5 for me, uh, like an easy 5, and it scares the shit out of me. It's a really terrifying film. Uh, but this movie also did, and again, I, I adore the world building, and I, I, I just, I, I adore the the scares and the execution and the, again the ex- I have no no complaints on any of the executions whether I found them cliche scary or or, or fun um, yeah uh, ditto that about the pacing uh, so I'm gonna say just just half a star I mean if I could take take off like point two five of a star I would 
Uh, but yeah, uh, four point five for sure. Like it, it and and well deserved. Nice, know, nearly a five, really. Like it really is a great movie. Well, that will give Incantation an average of four point three out of five. Definitely a, a big recommendation from all of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, one other note on that, just talking about how perfect the movie is, yeah, um, or or grand and big the the, the film is. It also sort of suffers from not feeling like found footage because of that. Like, a lot of the shots are just a little bit too perfectly framed, or um, we we just have too many shots where, like, the, the shot reverse shot, like, the multiple camera setups are feel just a little bit too convenient um, to be that well framed. Uh, and, and frankly, to my first viewing, I thought that there were shots that just didn't make sense in the film, and it wasn't until the second viewing I realized that the young girl's backpack her bunny rabbit backpack has a camera in it. Yeah. And that's how we were getting some of those secondary shots. Because I was super confused. But yeah. then I was like, wait, why are we cutting to another angle? There's just the one camera. Yeah. Again, man, like, I, I agree with you. It does feel much more artificial than most found footage horror movies. But You sold me on that, it's, though. It's it the, is because she's, she's a YouTuber. That's she's, a really good point. She's a fucking point. YouTuber, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is highly manufactured. And it has this it has this uh, this meta-referential purpose that it's trying it's trying to manipulate you to participate in the ritual and i think that is cool i agree um well that will at last bring 2022 to a final close as we are now in the new year and looking ahead next week we're starting strong with our first new movie of 2023 mithrigan we have a run of new movies coming up, man. Yep, we've got a lot, a lot of new of, shit coming out. We've got a lot of new stuff coming out, and we're starting with the uh, with the the doll who knows how to whip and nay nay Mithrigan. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, come come back next week to hear our thoughts on Megan <laughs> Mithrigan. Mithrigan. Uh We'll do a real quick sponsor to ring in the new year yeah let's make it fast all right we gotta the, get paid the sponsor shelf has handed me a sponsor and the sponsor is jeb jeb yo jeb. 2023 everybody check under your pockets there's a turtle in there jeb get hype we got turtle pockets we're jebbing jeb 2023 he's coming back 2024 2023 yeah please clap please clap we're clapping all right, we're jebbed. All right, All right thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jeb. What a, what a what a current, what a wonderful current sponsor to have. Very relevant. <laughs> yeah, right. Certainly, <laughs> certainly not a dead meme from like six years ago. Nah, here, uh, never. No. Anyway, well, thanks for listening. We're looking forward to 2023 and another good year of horror. We hope you are too, and we hope you'll be here with us every week for podcast stuff we'll uh, be here regardless give us that's right talking <laughs> talking into the void of mother buddha's face give us five stars on apple podcasts support us on patreon at patreon.com slash pod pod shout out to honorary pod boys sam simon and zach confer hope y'all had a delightful new year and that you're love. you're ready for some uh, another year of spooky scary Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod. You'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at SomeSpookySnake and streaming Twitch.tv slash SomeSpookySnake. I just finished out last two recently. Think I'm going to do Resident Evil 7 next. Haven't decided Ooh. 100%, but that's that's the direction I'm going in. 
Um, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And today's my birthday as of recording. Hey, That's right. It's new. It's well, technically we're cheating a little bit. It's not quite the new year yet. It's New Year's Cleave. It's New Year's Cleave. Which is new the, Year's Cleave. Which is the day of my birth where we all count down the end of my birthday. And it rules. It's actually very fun. And I am super happy to have a birthday today. And that is, that's my shout out. I'm shouting out that it's my birthday. Happy birthday to Cleveland. Hell and yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't spend it better afternoon with the boys talking about movies and uh yeah happy new year everybody thanks for listening and uh hope uh hope you spent the new year getting toasty because that's what we're doing we're sipping mimosas, after this baby. toasty mimosa mm-hmm. all right goodbye whatever wanna tell the scene of someone's dream baby it's fine you said that we should just be friends while i came up with that line and i Sure, it's for the best. If you ever change your mind, don't hold your breath. Cause you may not believe that baby.